Hey there, and welcome to the podcast of Real Life Spokane. Merry Christmas. We love you so much. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We hope this podcast encourages you and points you closer to Jesus. Let's jump in. Amen. Man, I, I love this conversation. The Christmas story is one that I think just grounds us. It's, it's such an opportunity for us to be reminded of how good our God is and how powerful he is. I think one of the things that steals my joy is failure. Anybody else hate failing in the room today? Yeah, a few of us. The rest of you are awesome at it. Good job. We, uh, we, it's, I hate it. I don't like it. And when you fail, don't you do, you have kind of these responses like, Nuh-uh, I didn't fail, right? The, the, the more defensive posture that some of us fall into. I didn't fail. I'm not wrong. I didn't do that. I didn't mean to. If you only knew my heart, right? There, there's all these phrases that we have that are really us pretending like we didn't fail. You get in relationship and you're bound to fail, fail somebody else, let them down. Or the other response is, is just don't ever try anything that's really risky at all and, and kind of hide in your inadequacy and you know, hope that nobody ever asks you to step out and stretch and really do something that requires courage or faith. Neither one of these responses is really healthy at all. And I think particularly over the last little bit, as we've gotten kind of beat up, you've gotten beat up, you've gotten things taken away, you've got stuff canceled, you've got your hopes up and then disappointed, hopes up, disappointed, hopes up, disappointed. And, and, and many of us have kind of retreated in this place. You, you've maybe tried stuff, you've risked stuff, you've loved, you've served, you've given, you've tried, you've reached out, you, you've, you've made effort and it's not reciprocated. Or maybe you've been been hurt in that or kicked to the curb in that. And on our inadequacy just is this constant confrontation for us of how messed up we are, where we've been, what we did, why they won't forgive us, what, what used to be, what we said wrong. And here's what I believe with all my heart is that the enemy of your soul is constantly trying to take your inadequacy and your failures and twist them into a belief system that says, well, I'm not, and I can't, and God won't, and then I, I, I just shouldn't anymore. And get you to believe that you're not worth anything, that you have no value, that you have no ability or capacity. And these are all lies from the enemy. Even though we fail, we fail all the time. God's view of you is so much different than what the enemy would lead you to believe. And so my hope today is that through this conversation, you're going to see that God uses imperfect people. Can you just wrap your heart around that for a moment today? In fact, I'm convinced of this. If God could only use perfect people, he wouldn't have anybody to use. It's so easy, isn't it, to get locked in comparisons and, and trapped by, by those people and how awesome they are in their life. And look at their family memories. And how come our Christmas isn't as awesome as their Christmas? And, and we get in this comparison mode. We get trapped in this. And we, we just kind of retreat. And, and, and I really believe that the enemy is trying to steal your faith, your belief in what could be and what God might do through you, what this season could be like. He's trying to keep your hopes down. I was telling our staff this week, this is a time to get our hopes up. 
This is a time of faith. This is, uh, as a people of God, we are intentional about believing in the miraculous and the things that only God can do. We are intentional about believing beyond our capacity and our ability and our story and our brokenness of the past. We are a people of faith. And the enemy wants to steal your faith and keep you from risking, from trying, from doing anything of significance or of value. I remember playing middle school football. Anybody else remember awkward years of your life? And uh, I, man... I was so, I was trying so hard, but my coach, Coach Carlson, he saw me second guessing everything I would do. I wondered if I went this way, would they get around that way? And I was on defense. And so I was always trying to make the right play. And he saw me second guessing everything. And he grabbed me one day by the face mask. I'll forget, never forget this conversation. He's like, Shaw, you're killing me and you're killing the grass. You're moving so slow, the grass is dying under your feet. I'm like, yeah, but coach, I don't want to. And he's like, hey, just run. I would rather you move at 200 miles an hour and make a mistake than stand there trying to get it right because at least then you'll hit somebody, right? And I feel like for many of us, that's what we've done. We've just shrunk back. Well, if I don't try anything, if I don't risk anything, if I don't believe for anything, I won't get disappointed. If I don't get my hopes up, if, if I don't step out, if I don't open my mouth, then, then nothing maybe can get taken from me again. No, we are a people of faith through our life. We are a people called by God. We are a people on a mission. We are a people that have been given a city, a neighborhood, a workplace. God has given you a place, and that place requires you to be in faith that God is going to do something supernatural there through you. God uses imperfect people. The shepherds in Luke chapter 2 are as imperfect as they come. Verse 8 says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. These guys were outcasts. They wandered in the deserts. They were nomads. They had really no um, kind of spot in society. They were on the outside, out there, not credible, not anybody of any value whatsoever. In fact, if you had a crime done against you, you went to court, you're like, hey, this person, they saw everything that happened. I want to bring them as a witness to my crime and, and what happened to me. The court would throw out the testimony of the shepherd in the first century. That's how they had no voice, no credibility. They were the lowest of low in society. And I want you to think about this. People have been waiting for 400 years to hear from God. They have been, for, for, for over a thousand years now, they've been longing for the Messiah, this promised one, to come. They've been anticipating, hoping, longing for, and disappointment after disappointment has gotten the people to a place where there isn't much faith anymore in the land. Nobody believing for something supernatural anymore. And God had an opportunity to break onto the scene, and he made a very intentional choice of the messengers that he was going to use to bring the most important message of all mankind to planet Earth. The people that were the most insecure, outcast, insignificant, these shepherds are who God chose. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to these shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
If that wasn't terrifying enough, an angel speaking to you, promising this arrival of Jesus, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts, this is like thousands of them appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary, Joseph, the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word. They spread the word. They became messengers of this amazing message, this good news of great joy. They spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God, for all the things they had heard, seen, which were just as they had been told. God uses imperfect people. God takes these outcasts and he invites them to be a part of something supernatural. I think what's important here is to recognize that God has a purpose and a plan that will always prevail. God has something that God is doing and what God is intending and God is promising and God is planning, God is purposing to do, God will do, whether you're a part of it or not. And because of that, there's this great calm, I think, that just needs to kind of settle on our hearts. It goes, wow, God has something that he is doing and, and, and he's bringing salvation to all mankind. See, God, from the very beginning, when he created man and woman, when he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he intended, he purposed for mankind to be an intimate, connected relationship with him. But the moment they disobeyed, sin entered the picture and separated mankind from God. God can't exist in the presence of sin in relationship that way. And so for us to be back to relationship with God is perfection. We don't have it. God purposed from that moment of sin to save all mankind. God had it in mind. God began to work. It took thousands of years as God is leading and speaking and developing a people and an identity and a calling, and he's helping people to understand that he has a purpose, and he is working out that purpose, and he wants to save all mankind for all of eternity, and that purpose will prevail. And it's so good. What happens here is that the shepherds are being invited into the purpose of God. See, what happens, our inadequacy is straight in our face when we are trying to create purpose for ourselves. When you're running around this life trying to make purpose and meaning and significance and happiness for yourself, you only have your inadequacies that are constantly confronting you. But when you're invited into the purpose and the plan of God, you have an opportunity to look beyond yourself and your purpose and what you're trying to work out and look to the perfect one whose purpose will never fail. And you and I then have a chance to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. My inadequacies, are they there? Yes. My failures? Yep. My past? Yep. All the things I said, all the things I did, all the brokenness, the mistakes I've made, all of that is there. But God's purpose is not dependent on all my mistakes. God doesn't stop like, whoa, guess I can't save all mankind now because you treated your spouse that way, right? Or because your kids are that way, whatever. Like God, God's not like thwarted by our mistakes. So good for us just to go, wow, God had a purpose in mind. He was speaking, he was leading, he was directing, God was working. And I love in that that, that God gives these, these shepherds grace. He gives them a sign. 
He said, hey, you're going to go to this barn in Bethlehem, and there's going to be a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's going to be a sign to you. I know you don't have much faith right now, shepherds, that I could use you as a messenger, but I'm going to give you a sign to help you know that I am the one, that my purpose is going to prevail, and that I am inviting you to be a part of what I am doing. Can you imagine these shepherds when they, they run to the barn and, and, and they find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger? They're like, it, it, yes, he's here. It's like they said, like, oh, like, wow, it's for real. Like whatever faith they didn't have, they now have because of God's grace, his gift of this sign to them. There's a guy named Gideon in the Old Testament. Anybody heard of him? He, he, God used him to save his people from the Midianites. They were terribly oppressed, and there's this massive army, and, and, and Gideon is like the lowest of the low. He is like the worst of his tribe, the smallest tribe. He really has nothing to offer anybody. In fact, when the angel comes to him, he's hiding, literally hiding in a wine press, fearing for his life, like peeking up over the edge, hoping nobody finds him, right? And an angel comes to him and like, hey, Gideon, God sees you. He's called you. He's going to use you to lead the people out of this place of captivity. Who, me? Yeah, you. No way. Yes, you. I can do it. God's going to do it, right? And, and Gideon's like, well, give me a sign. And so he puts a fleece on the ground. It's wet with dew. The morning, the ground is dry. And then the next day, he's like, I'm still not convinced. Can you make the ground wet and the fleece dry? God does it. God's grace is so good. He, he wants to meet you right where you are and give you the faith that you might not even have of what God could do through little old you. But for you to just believe that God has a purpose and he wants to work it out and he is inviting you to be a part of it, he is going to pour out his grace as you take those steps of faith and obedience. This real life is a time for us to get our faith up for us to not cower in fear and our failures in the past and what's happened and how broken things are, but for us to lift our hearts and our minds and go, God, you have something that you are doing and you are inviting us to be a part of something supernatural. See, God is speaking. God is working. God is moving. God is drawing people to himself. And for you and I just to recognize that, God, you're going to save our city. You're going to save Spokane. You're going to work in people's lives. You're going to transform my family. You're going to move in my school, God. You are going to change my friends' lives, my neighbors' lives. God, you are going to do something supernatural. I want to be a part, God, of what you are doing. For you and I, just to just simply start with that little bit of faith, I believe God loves to meet you there and then give you the encouragement, the courage that you need to continue to take the steps forward. But for these, for these shepherds, just to recognize, like, hey, God has a story. God has a message. God has something that he is doing. These guys just happen to get to be a part of it. I love that they don't even have a name. They were shepherds. Honestly, like for, for many of us, we have been so consumed with our own name and our own story and our own kind of ideas about the way this life needs to go. These were probably some of the most significant people in Scripture. The arrival of the, the Savior of the world got announced by these people, and they have no name. And I think how cool this is, because we are kind of too much the center of our own stories. We're always wanting to, to be noticed, to be recognized, to be appreciated, to be thought well of. And joy for us gets stolen when we're confronted with our inadequacies. But joy gets restored when you move out of the center of your story. When you recognize that God has a purpose and a story that he is writing, and he is allowing me to be a part of it. He doesn't have to, but he chooses to. 
And the more kind of selfless we can be about this, the more opportunity we have to have joy. And the enemy will use your failures to beat you down and keep you discouraged and keep you from believing for more. But the story of God will prevail. And he wants some people to be a part of his story that don't have to be the center of the story. And then you and I can walk into the season with a lot of joy, not worried about our inadequacy because it's really not about us anyways. It is about God and his purpose and his story that he is telling that we get to be a part of. There's so much joy in that. God, you're doing something. And I want to be a part of it. And so I'm going to lay myself aside, my name aside, my glory aside, God. And I'm going to be a part of whatever you are doing. I am all in, God, for your purpose, your kingdom advancing, God. If, if, if your name never gets recognized, notice, whatever, we are good as a people with that because we know that God has something supernatural that he is doing and wanting to do through each one of us. Think about in Scripture, there's so many stories of inadequate people being used by God. In the New Testament, Saul was um, the great persecutor of the church. He was the one that had Christians thrown in jail. He had people killed. And he was probably the least likely that God would choose to use. But that's exactly what God did in Acts chapter 9. Got a hold of Saul's life, changed his name to Paul, and began to set him on a mission. Paul writes to his apprentice, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and he says, you know, and I recognize what God was doing now, that God was giving me mercy. He came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. It's a true statement. He used to kill Christians. Yet, Paul, you win the award, right? You were the worst. <laughs> and yet, here's what God was doing. He was giving me mercy so that he might put on display his immense patience toward us. He's writing to his apprentice saying, I, I see it now, finally, that God was, God was taking the worst of all sinners and he was displaying his mercy and his patience so that everybody else that ever thought they had a bad day could just kind of have a centering moment and go, wow, if God was patient with that guy, God can certainly be patient with me. If God could help that guy overcome his inadequacy and his failures and his uh, brokenness and all of his past, then God can certainly work through somebody like me. He, he wrote it like this in 2 Corinthians 12. Jesus said to me, this is Jesus himself speaking to Paul, this guy, the worst of all sinners. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. It's enough for you. My grace is powerful enough, big enough for you. Jesus says, my power is made perfect in weakness. See, see, in a world that is, is, is constantly trying to exert our strength and our prowess and our knowledge and our experience and our resume, the kingdom of God is completely backwards, upside down. Paul's like, actually, it's my weakness is where Jesus' power is made perfect. It's in my, my shortcomings that people actually see that it's God working in me and through me and not me. I'm not the center of the story. It's the power of God resting on me that is giving me the capacity to do what he is asking me to do. See, see, when you and I move out of the center of the story, then there's this great kind of power that rests on our lives. This is what he says. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Think about this, boasting. That's an outward kind of thing, right? I'm going to tell everybody I know about my weaknesses. That's not how we roll, Paul. We hide our weaknesses. We pretend like they don't exist. All of our past, all of our brokenness, all of our mistakes. We don't talk about that stuff, Paul. He's like, actually, no, I'm going to, I'm going to boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's 
power may rest on me. He's understanding there's a secret here that it's not about me and my strength and my perfection and my, my adequacy. It's about the power of Christ resting on me. And the more dependent we are on our own adequacy and our own strength, the harder it is for the power of God to rest on us. And for many of us, we have been so apprehensive because we don't have what it takes. And the enemy has kept us trapped there going, you don't and you won't and you can't. And we don't understand that that is actually the place where our freedom and our power can be found. It's not in our ability, but in the ability and the power of God resting on us. And the longer we hold on to our own adequacy, the longer we stay distant from the power of God moving through us. And so Paul's like, oh man, man I'm going to boast. Listen to me boast. I am weak. I have nothing to offer. There's nothing I can do. I'm the worst of all sinners, the chief of sinners. Watch, because the power of Christ is what's going to rest on me. See, as Jesus' people, this is what makes us his people, not in our strength and our capacity, but in the power of God resting on you. When you go to that family gathering this week, when, when, when you show up at work this week, when, when you're praying for a friend this week, those moments are not you doing the right thing. That is the power of God working through you. Those are moments for your weakness just to be really not anything at all. It is the power of God working through you. I love this. He says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. We're talking about great joy. To be like, ha ha, I delight in weakness. I have joy because I know that in my weakness, Christ's strength is made perfect. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, all those things that the enemy would try to use to keep you from faith, to keep you from risking, to keep you from believing that God could do something supernatural through you. Paul's like, uh-uh, all that stuff. I am so glad that I get to experience all of those things because when I am weak, then I am strong. When I don't have what it takes... God's power shows up miraculously. When I don't have the right words, when I don't have the right stuff, I, I know that God can show up in a miraculous way in that moment. And for Jesus' church, to just sense that courage, to sense that faith, to sense that power, like, wow, we don't have what it takes. Join the club. As James was leading us through communion a few minutes ago, what did he say? This is the most unifying thing that the church could ever do. Why? Because every one of us are admitting we don't have what it takes. We need a savior. We need somebody to come in and rescue us from our sinful, broken ways. And Jesus, you are that one. You are our savior. You are our God. You are our king. You are the one that we put our faith in. We don't put our faith in ourselves. Amen. We put our faith in the God who is limitless, who has a purpose that will prevail. We don't look at our inadequacies and all our failures of the past. God, no, 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 no. We are consumed by your power resting on these lies and that we are going to step out in faith, God, not believing that we have what it takes, but you have what it takes. And you have chosen me. You have called me. You are calling me into this place. And so here I come. See, see these, these, these shepherds, they became a messenger for the greatest moment in human history. None of us would have picked them. We would have picked somebody that everybody would have listened to. But still, God gave them this ability and this capacity to tell the story that he was telling. Now, just think about this. The story went through the least likely messengers, and the story went out. We're here today because the story was listened to, because they had influence in people's lives. Because everybody heard what they said and were absolutely amazed by the message that these shepherds brought. They weren't discrediting them. They didn't throw them out. They believed it. And they were amazed at what these shepherds said. 
And I just think about how important it is, is for you and I to recognize that there is messengers today in this room that God is calling by name. And it's not a select few. It's not a person with a, with a Bible degree or, or a certain kind of uh, lineage or, or the right family line. It is, it is every single one of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ have now been called out of darkness into light so that we can declare the praises of him who has saved us. See, 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 I, I think that God wants you to understand something today, that you are a chosen person, that God has ordained you to be here, that God knows you. He has called you specifically. He, he, he calls you a royal priesthood. I love this. Second Peter, no, he, he says you are a royal priesthood. God, you're not, you're not like subservient or whatever. You are actually the priest. You're the one that I've chosen to be a, a messenger of this message of good news, of great joy for all the people. You're a holy nation. You are a people belonging to God. I love, look at this next verse here. It, it says this, that, that you, were, you may declare the praises of him who called you. I want you to hear that word declare. That's not a quiet thing. That's not a passive thing. That's you and I taking the mantle of responsibility on our lives that we have been placed where we've been placed on purpose and the purpose of God. He wants to get it through us, the message of God, the story of God. He wants to get it through you to those people. God puts you there on purpose. Many times we, we, we show up to work and then we just run home as quick as we can. We go to school and we just get away from whatever. And it's so important that you recognize God put you in that place on purpose. He wants to get this story through you to those people. You have been ordained by God, called by God as a royal priest so that he can declare his praises. You can declare his praises that what God has done, how he has taken you out of darkness and brought you into light. That story has got to get into people's hearts. And that story is going to come through you. You and I deciding, you know what? I, I'm going to be a person of faith. I'm going to stop hiding and pretending like I don't want to get my hopes up and I don't want things to be hard. I don't want people to be hurt by me and my inadequacies. Man, I've just, I've just messed up too much. No, 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 no. If God can use Paul, God can use you. If God can use these shepherds, God can use you. The story of scripture is God taking imperfect people, all of their mistakes and all of their failures, and God continuing to use them. His purpose will prevail. We are not that big of a deal, right? His purpose will continue no matter if you get on board or not. This is all an invitation going, God is working. He's inviting you to be somebody who says, no, I, God is calling me to be a part of this story being proclaimed, declaring the goodness of what he has done in my life. Paul says in Ephesians 2 that you are his masterpiece. You're not a mistake. You're not a mess up. You are his masterpiece. Everything that has gone on in your life, maybe broken, fragmented pieces, God is taking all those pieces and putting them together into this masterful work of art called your life. And he's ordaining every step and redeeming every broken thing and healing everything that seemed to kind of ruin and rule in your heart and your life. You are God's masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus. That's what we just celebrated in that baptism tank. Is somebody being made new in Jesus Christ. Past, absolutely. Story, for sure. Mistakes, absolutely they have. Every single one of us does. But, but here's what's so cool is he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned long ago for each of us to do. We're not saved just so we can sit on our hands. 
We are saved so that we can be a part of this message and this story going forward, right? We're we're not just kind of hoping we don't mess up anymore. No, 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 God, by your grace, you save me by your grace. You're going to sustain me by your grace. You're going to give me the power to be the messenger that you've called me to be, that this city is lost and dying in desperate need. My friends, my neighbors, my family, God, needs to know your love. God, would you make us a messenger of your good news that you can use anybody? God is so freeing for us as your people. Get our hopes up, God. Fill us with faith. Give us the courage to believe, God, that you can use imperfect people, that you can take us and our story, God, and get glory through people like us. That's the way I love this story. Listen to how it ends. It's so cool. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph, the baby who had, who they had, uh, yeah, who was lying in the manger. That's where the baby was. And, uh, <sighs> I'm tired. (laughs) Uh, Too much passion. Um, When they had seen him, listen, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds, this is what they did. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I love this. The culmination of this story is that God gets the glory. See, our inadequacy is is reminding us that we don't get the glory. God does. It's it's not us trying to get the glory that brings us joy. It's not you receiving credit and, and, and accolades that gets you joy. That's a temporary joy. As soon as the accolades go away, the joy goes away. But joy, great joy is when you know and make sure that God gets the glory, that God is the one that's at work, that God is the one that people see in your story, that people hear you talk about, that people recognize, wow, you're different. And it's not because you're awesomer, but it's because God is so good, because God has been working in your life. See, see, you and I have an opportunity to, to live a life where God gets the glory. See, this is why God uses imperfect people, because in imperfect people, God gets the glory. Every story is a story of God's power, God's work, God's greatness. And as a church, we are, we are messengers called by name, not to get everything perfectly right, but to, to point to a God who is so good and so powerful and so loving that people can't help but be drawn to him through the miracles that he's doing in our lives. And that's our hope. I mean, this whole season, this whole week, it's a, it's a, it, my hope is up. <laughs> my hope is, that, is, is so high that God is going to get a hold of you and, and, and compel you to care about people in your life that are far from him. He's going to get a hold of my heart and not just let me go through the mayhem of this week and, and, and just hope to make it through it, but I'm going to see people today when I'm at the family party, and I'm going to be able to speak life and hope and encouragement that the message of Jesus is going to somehow get through this guy. I believe the message of Jesus needs to get through you, the story of Jesus through you. The lives that God has given you are opportunities for people to know how good God is, how much he loves them. Everybody is dying to know God's love. And you have that message. You are experiencing his love. You are blessed so that you can bless other people with that same message. And our hope is that as a church, as a people, we would carry this message with humility, joy, God, you're going to get so much glory as lives are changed. I love how the shepherds are just amazed. Wow, God. You would use us? 
you would work, you would send your son, you would save people, God. Wow. God, we're so filled with joy. We're amazed at what you're doing. That's our hope. Real life is that you would get your hope up. <laughs> that you would get your faith up. That you would begin to believe. Believe again. Believe for the first time that God has a plan and a purpose and he's calling you by name. He wants you to be a part of something supernatural. Not natural. Not your own strength, but his strength. Where people see the glory and the goodness of God in your life. To get your hope up. God uses it perfectly. I want to pray for you. Would you stand to your feet with me today? You just close your eyes for a moment. The Spirit of God is here. Oh, He's right here. That comfort that you feel, that's God. that nudge that you feel to forgive that person, that's the Holy Spirit. That longing that you feel for more, more of God, more of His presence, that's the Holy Spirit putting that hunger inside you right now. Whatever it is that He's saying to you, I just want to call you to respond, to say yes. Forgiveness, healing, Letting go of past mistakes and regrets. They're in your past. God has changed you. He's healed you. He's made you new. Those addictions, they don't rule you. They don't define you. Oh, that past relationship, that's not your whole story. God has so much more. Just hear his voice to you today. Know his arms. Know his love. Experience his comfort. fills you with joy right now. Some of you need to be saved. You've been doing this on your own, trying to get close to God, and you can't because you're not perfect. Just recognize, I'm not perfect. I don't have what it takes. Jesus, I need a Savior. It's that honest, repentant heart He loves. God will not deny. Just come to Him right now with open heart. God, I need a Savior. He will fill you with the Spirit. He'll rescue you from hell. He'll set you on a path toward His purpose. He'll call you to be baptized. That's your first step. Just receive His salvation right now. God, you know everyone by name. God, you know every story. You know every past. You know every inadequate moment that we've ever lived. Yet, you love us. Oh, he loves you in real life. He loves you. Just receive that love. Thank you, Jesus. God, it is your purpose that will prevail. It is your kingdom that will advance. God, we want to be a part. We want to be in, God. We want to walk with you toward whatever potential you have, whatever purpose you have. God, our lives are yours. They're not our own. You've bought them at a price, God. 
So, Lord, we just lay them down before you. This season, God, would it be one miraculous, God. I pray over every family gathering, over every moment with our kids, over every conversation on the phone or post that we make, God, that every bit of it, God, would be covered by your grace and your healing and that these would become a room full of messengers, God. People called by name, a chosen people, a royal priesthood. God, set apart by your but your purposes, God, for your kingdom and your glory, God, that we may declare your wonders, God, and your glory to our friends and family, Lord, the way you've called us out of darkness and into light, Jesus. We just receive that, that calling, that mantle, that responsibility, God. We are yours. We say yes. We are your messengers. We are your people. Thank you, Jesus. We just worship you. love you a ton real life and I believe that God has his hand on your life I'd love to pray with you as the service closes. some of our elders pastors leaders will be up here would love to pray with you if you need anything at all come forward I'd love to talk with you you need to be baptized that's your next step come forward we'll talk to you about that and what those steps look like if you got giving envelopes you got connect cards children adoption stuff put that all in those black boxes as you need we love you a ton we'll see you Thursday or Friday it's going to be an awesome week have an awesome day of your life. Thanks so much for tuning into the Real Life Spokane podcast. We exist to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. And you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. Merry Christmas, Real Life. We love you so much. And we'll see you later.